0: You're listening to a live recording from Westside Church in Bend, Oregon. Thanks for joining us. Well, um, today we're beginning a a four-part series on this idea of the practices of healthy people. And I want to begin just to kind of set up this whole series with a quote. And actually, we have two main books that we're going through um, on Sundays and referencing. And one is by Rich Velotis called The Deeply Formed Life. And the other is by Pete Scazzaro called Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. And I wanted to read a quote from uh, The Deeply Formed Life, Rich Velotus, as we begin to set up kind of the tone for the next four weeks as we dive into what it looks like to have practices and rhythms in our life that lead to growth and health. Rich Velotus said this, he, he writes, the troubling reality is that believers can be deeply committed to being Christian without ever being deeply formed by Christ." I want to throw this out there to all of us today that we are here not to be um, part of a Christian subculture, but to be formed and reformed and shaped into the image of Jesus. We know this, um, if you have been awake at all for the last 14 months, you've probably noticed um, in our society right now, it's a pretty divisive time. It's a pretty charged, emotionally charged time. In fact, yesterday I was out in the street playing with my son Jack. He's three years old. And so we were playing in the, in the street and in the yard and uh, a neighbor that I had not met was out working on his truck and so um, we were right by, by their house and so he, he walked over and he said, oh, hi there and introduced himself. He said, is that your son? And I said, yeah, that's my son. And then he immediately said, man, politically things are pretty divided right now, huh? And I realized, and it's kind of comical, I realized in that moment, the state of our society is such that political divide has taken the place of the weather in our small talk. This is amazing. (laughs) I was geared up. I was like, it it rained today. That doesn't happen often in Central Oregon. I'm going to talk about that if he he asks or if there's a lull. But he went right for it, right into political division. So (laughs) it was great. And then he offered to fist fight me. It was strange, but he didn't do that. (laughs) These days, you never know. You never know. Um, but we know, we know that this has been a, a, tense, a tense time, and, and beyond that, we were chatting with our, our staff this week and, and just realizing people are all over the map um, as far as uh, walking through the disruption of these past 14 months. And, and not to say that everyone's had a, a horrible traumatic time, some have, um, but there are uh, emotional needs right now that I think that as a church we are positioned to bring healing and, and um, relief to. That this could be a place where whether uh, folks are facing anxiety, uh, fears about the future, uh, trauma for things that were lost or, or uh, were taken away these past months, um, or whether people have had a great, you know, great year and seen real growth in their own lives and families. Wherever people are at, the church can be a place uh, that brings people together. No amens for that. We could be a church that brings people together. Yes. There it is. I know, we, you haven't been in the room for a while. This is kind of, you know, takes a little cue, cueing sometimes. But, uh-huh. but what Pastor Mike talked about with, with our, our celebration of Pentecost today, and I know this message isn't really about specifically the story of Pentecost, but the, Pentecost, the message of Pentecost is that those who are completely separated can come together in Christ because of the work of the Holy Spirit. What a beautiful thing. And when that happens, there's healing and there's there's relief from this sense of, of the world is out of control. Yes, maybe it is, but the Holy Spirit's present. And his glory will cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. So we find great relief today together because of the Holy Spirit's presence among us and what he's doing to bring us together and to heal divides in our world and in our community, it starts here. You know, it starts here. Uh, if you, if you, um, if you want to grow in your faith man, these messages are for, are for you. And we're gonna, we're gonna dive into these things, hopefully in a way that even if you're not certain about your faith or you're not what you would consider a follower of Jesus, that you uh, could even find some benefits in the principles that we present here from scripture and, and uh, ways to find a place of emotional health. Because we know disruption is actually a revealer of emotional health or unhealth. Um, it doesn't always cause the unhealth, or the health, but it sure reveals it. Have you noticed this through through this last year? Autopilot was turned off for everybody. Like no one, no one really could just cruise through every every area of life because of all the disruption. Um, everything from, um, you know, restrictions on on businesses to health concerns to schools to everything. Right, everything's disrupted. So no matter how you see it or face it, disruption has impacted you somehow. And that is a revealer of emotional health, soul health. Um, You know, my wife and I were at Walmart um, and uh, a a full grown man uh, tried to pick a fight with one of the greeters verbally with one of the greeters at Walmart. And I I thought, you know, um, he was talking about the CDC and all these things. And um, maybe that's why he spoke up and was so upset but the CDC did not turn him into the type of person that picks a fight with an elderly stranger in public. You hear what I'm saying? <laughs> that was there before. This just, re- this just drew it out. And, uh, and for some, that feels like, oh, yikes, So I don't want to deal with all this stuff. But what an opportunity we have to allow the principle of being discipled by Christ actually form us in this moment because now we know some of the stuff that was under the surface. In fact, uh, Alyssa, my wife, asked me, she's like, what are you, what are you preaching on Sunday? And I said, uh, emotional health. And she said, you are preaching <laughs> on emotional health? And I thought, well, I was feeling pretty good before you said that, now, oh my goodness. But we all have work to do, right? I've got work to do, you've got work to do. Uh, To arrive in this place, and not really a place, but to to start on a journey where we are growing and being formed by Christ every day. Uh, This isn't something where it's like, yeah, I I came to maturity uh, in 1997, and I've been good ever since. No, of course not. We are formed. We are formed into his image every day. Um, And and with uh, society in a place where the focus is consistently, consistently, and aggressively on who is right and who is wrong, Uh, we choose as a church to focus in on what makes us healthy. What makes us healthy? We lean into behaviors and patterns and rhythms and a relationship in Christ, uh, not to prove that we're right, but to find that we're growing into a healthy people. Um, I never want to be um, in a place where we look back over the years and realize that we won the culture wars, but we lost our souls in the process. And so right now we focus and we turn to the attention on our souls. Um, There's this idea that has been prevalent for, honestly, as long as Christianity has been around. It's present in the New Testament in the early church, and today uh, it is also present, and it's this idea that spiritual things are good, and everything else is not great. So your spiritual life, you know, you come to church, You pray, you join in in worship, you might read your Bible in the morning. That's all good because that's spiritual. All the other stuff, the fact that you need sleep, the fact that you eat, the fact that you have sexuality, the fact that you have emotions, um, the times that you get angry, the times that you get anxious, all that is lesser. In fact, if we could deny that and shut all that down, then we would be better Following Jesus and being Christians and being spiritual people because that's really the high, the high calling, the high stuff. problem is that's actually not Jesus that's Plato from a few centuries before Jesus, the Greek philosopher who, who said, you know the spiritual life is is the enlightened life, that's the high stuff. Just try to avoid thinking too much about everything else. Jesus comes fully God, fully man, and he has a different take on it so what he says in um, in Matthew 22 he said love the lord your god with all your heart all your soul all your mind and another translation says all your strength so he doesn't say just be a spiritual person jesus says you got to bring everything you got to bring everything under this idea of discipleship of being formed by me everything has to fall in line and paul would go on in Romans 12 To reiterate this when he said, therefore I urge you brothers and sisters by the mercies of God to present your bodies, not just your spirit, but your bodies, uh, the Amplified Version says, dedicating all of yourselves, set apart as living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God, which is your rational, logical, intelligent act of worship. This goes all the way back to the creation story in Genesis 1 where it says that that humankind was made in the image of God. God. Not just our spirits, but everything about us made into his image. So then, what should fall in line under the formation of Jesus in our lives? Everything. Your spiritual life, your prayers, your worship, that's beautiful. Also how you interact with your kids and your spouse and the greeter at Walmart. (laughs) That everything falls under this umbrella of being formed by Christ. So I want to read out of John 15, some words of Jesus that put us on the path towards this idea of, of, of being in a place where we can accept the formation that he offers. John 15, four, abide in me and I will abide in you. A branch cannot bear fruit if it is disconnected from the vine and neither will you if you are not connected to me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you abide in me and I in you, you will bear great fruit. There is something to be said about taking time for closeness with Jesus that turns into real fruit, practical fruit in our lives. You know, you can be a very spiritual person and still be a jerk. You can be very religious and not be very nice. In fact, if you're sitting next to someone, you no, know, I won't do that. But, <laughs> but we know this. You know that I would say folks like us don't always have the best reputation of being the kindest people out there. And so we got to go deeper, folks. If if a, a religious expression or or being church-going is is the tip of the iceberg, underneath the water lies the rest of our lives, and it needs attention. Our emotional health, our soul health, needs the attention of Christ, and so we have to get close to him. So let me pray today as we dive into this. Jesus, we just ask um, that you would form us as we get close to you, even as your disciples were close to you. They didn't even know necessarily what they signed up for all the time, but in the process of walking with you and abiding with you, they were changed. And so we ask for that same uh, transformation, not just in how we, we pray or how often we go to church, but in our relationships and how we think and how we process difficulty and how we endure through disruption in our lives. Jesus, we welcome your work and your transformation today in Jesus' name, amen. Um, One of the pieces of of these next four weeks that we wanna invite you into um, is some spiritual practices. Now, um, these days in the church, maybe we've kind of dialed back on spiritual practices Uh, And in its place, uh, the world at large has caught on to some of these what used to be spiritual practices, now are wellness practices. Um, How many have seen like fasting be a health trend in fat? Uh, Meditation, very big. Uh, Down and down the list goes. uh, Simplicity, practicing minimalism. um, uh, Sabbath, rhythms in your life. You know, taking time off for rest. uh, Recharging. uh, All these things that for centuries were actually spiritual practices. They were taught by monks and they were practiced in monasteries and, and the faithful who, who were followers of Jesus would practice these things. As they've kind of faded off, uh, others have, have come in and be like, hey, these are really good ideas. I'm a better person when I take uh, times to have rhythms of rest in my life and, and uh, I think it's time maybe the church takes back some of those things that are really good for the soul that we have seen as less important maybe than like coming to church, but having rhythm in your life, meditating on scripture, being silent in moments throughout your day to focus on Christ. All these things bring an incredible amount of health uh, to our lives, to our bodies, to our minds, to our emotions. And so um, for the next four weeks, Monday through Thursday, we're actually gonna open up um, each day to a new practice. And one of our teaching pastors will walk through a practice and uh, we don't expect everybody to embrace, you know, all 16 practices that we roll out. But man, if you could pick up one or two or three of those practices and integrate those into the rhythms of your life, uh, we're really hopeful that there could be some real health that comes from that. So I, I did want to plug that. Um, uh, and we'll have a, a link for that in a little bit here in the service. But um, we, we, we need to learn what it is to abide in Christ. Jesus was really good at this. And, and Jesus, if we... Uh, read the gospel as it's written, we realize that Jesus is a real dude. He's not, he not a spiritual robot, you know? He doesn't just float around only saying wise things and then disappearing. That's not the Jesus we see in the gospels. In, in the gospels, we see Jesus as fully human, um, present in his emotions, present in his his physicality, understanding that he had limits, knowing that he needed rest Um, we see in Mark 3, he gets angry. In Luke 7, he feels compassion. Luke 19, he sheds tears. He grieves. In Mark 14 and John 11, he shows astonishment and wonder. Like that's tough to surprise Jesus, but it happened, right? Things uh, that happen to us happen to him. And so how does he deal with the pressures that surely were on him as he's moving around in a very stressful moment as he has people that don't like him and he's, he's healing folks, and multitudes are coming to him for, for teaching and wisdom and, and to know more about uh, the kingdom of God. How does he deal with all this stuff? Luke chapter 5, verse 15 the report went around concerning him all the more. So, word is spreading about Jesus. And great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. It's a lot of pressure. So, verse 16 he himself often withdrew into the wilderness. And prayed. If Jesus needs healthy rhythms and spiritual practices in His life, how much more do we? How much more do we need to carve out moments in our day to abide, to stay connected to Jesus? You know, I, I was thinking about this. We know abiding. I know abiding. I was looking at my phone. They—it's uh, really annoying. They give you the option now with this thing called screen time to know how much time you spend on your phone every day. It's terrible. Nobody, nobody wants to know that. So I looked, can I just show you my screen? This is, I feel vulnerable right now, guys. So this week, daily average, almost 40 minutes, but that was just today. Last week, four hours and 20 minutes a day. Oh, come on now. Whoa, Tisk tisk tisk, Pastor Evan. Yeah, we're going to have a line out in the atrium and everyone's going to, you know, share their screen time and we're going to have a prayer circle for that. Um, you know, at least three of those hours every day was Bible reading on the Bible app. I promise. I promise. <laughs> oh. Um, there's a thing about our phones that we're, we're constantly in a state of reachability, Right? I can be distracted, (laughs) I shouldn't tell you this, you'll find my number, but I can be distracted pretty much day or night by my phone if if a phone call comes through. I may not answer it, but I'm distractable. I am reachable. When my phone is somewhere and I don't remember where it's at, there's a low level of anxiety that creeps up. I'm probably the only one, not you. You guys are sub one hour a day, I get it, I get it, you're fine, but I have this attachment, right? When we talk about abiding, I think it's something similar to our relationships with our phones that we are constantly connected even when we are present doing something else that we have an awareness of something else. Now with the phone, many times that's an unhealthy awareness. What Jesus is saying is like, he doesn't want us to wander around mumbling prayers under our breath, you know, wearing sackcloth and being like really weird religious people. That's not the goal. The goal is that in our everyday life, when we're at work, when we're, you know, um, at a restaurant, when we're at home with our family, that we have a constant tether to the presence of God where we are reachable and distractible by him at any moment. Not that we give up on, on living a full life. That's the opposite of what we're saying today. But that we bring in the tether we have to the presence of Jesus into a full and beautiful life that is lived without fear that we're indulging maybe too much in our humanity at the expense of our spirituality. No, our spirituality forms our humanity. Our emotional life, our, our, our whole life is formed as Paul said in chapter 12 of Romans as we become these living expressions of our relationship of abiding with Jesus. Schizero gives us three really great reasons why we must have this rhythm of closeness with Jesus. Number one, you cannot give what you do not possess. If we um, have any thought that we're going to bring health to the world around us, into our communities, if we think that we can um, offer uh, a a resource to others who are struggling in their marriages or or, um, in their businesses or their emotional life, dealing with depression, all these things that come at people, if we think we're gonna have something to offer, we better go get something to offer. And that is found in the presence of Jesus. Number two, what you do is important, but who you are is even more important. Um... I think it's great to do things for the church. I think volunteering is amazing. Uh, you know, our kids' classrooms could use some of those volunteers this very moment. All that's wonderful. And we want, we want to engage people in Christian service, as, as we would have said maybe a few decades ago. But long before we get to the act of doing things for Jesus, I want to be a person who knows Jesus who is connected, who is abiding and learning the rhythms of being a person fully formed and fully being formed by the presence of Jesus. We have to be before we do. And then finally, the state you are in is the state that you give to others. Are you anxious and worried? Are you frustrated and angry? Are you out of gas and burned out? The state that you're in is the state that you will give to others. And so we find this great refuge for our souls in the presence of Jesus. And that doesn't mean that we have to know all the right words to say or how to, you know, eloquently pray. We simply carve out moments in our lives to acknowledge his presence and help our interior, the inside of us, focus on who Jesus is. One last story from scripture that I want to illustrate this with is in Luke chapter 10, uh, the story of Mara, Mara, (laughs) Mary and Martha. That's like the deep south, Mara and Martha. Uh, (laughs) Talking is difficult. Luke 10, as Jesus and his disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught, but Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair? Just throwing this out there. Doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. By the way, I don't blame Martha one bit. (laughs) This, This is the normal thing you do when people drop in for dinner. Now, I know, I know the gospels and Jesus is not known for calling ahead. So here he, he just shows up, probably with all 12 of his dudes. They <laughs> just sit down on the couch. And then she's like, um, I need my sister to help. And, and look what he says. This is kind of rude. <laughs> 41, the Lord said to her, dear Martha, You are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Huh. I think that in that situation, if I'm a disciple, I'm kind of like, Martha's right, Jesus. like You need to go easier on Martha, and maybe Mary could help, and then come back. But here's the thing. I think what Jesus is getting at is not that, you know, just somebody else will do the dinner. You just, you don't need to worry about that. I don't think the point is what it looks like on the surface. I think what Jesus is saying is that Martha saw Jesus' presence, Jesus showing up, Jesus appearing in the living room, so to speak, as a disruption and a distraction from her normal rhythm. Mary saw it as a wonderful visitation And here's the thing about when Jesus encounters us in our life, it is rarely expected and it is rarely convenient. And what Jesus is saying to Martha and what I I think he says to us today is I'm gonna show up in your life. I'm gonna show up to form you and to allow you to abide in me and most oftentimes it's gonna come at you like a disruption. You're gonna feel like you had your day planned out, your morning was good, I don't have time for this. And in those moments, what he would ask is for eyes like Mary to see that when Jesus is present, it's not a disruption, it's a visitation. And when we abide in him, there is this transformation that happens on the inside. And I think that's why Jesus says that there's one thing worth being concerned about. Of course there's not. There's many things worth being concerned about. If Jesus looked at your life and he said, "There's, there's, there's really nothing to be concerned about except Time with me, you would say, I don't buy it, Jesus. Have you met my kids? They need some concern. Have you have you seen my business right now? It needs me right now. Do you understand that if I don't do X, Y, and Z, I'm gonna let people down? And Jesus says, Yeah, I get all that. But first, think about that, but first, but first we find out who we are in his presence. Before we do all the rest of that stuff, before we we move on so quickly that we miss it, we sit at his feet. Um, I'll end with a story. And I've told this before, so I apologize if you don't want to hear it. You can just leave as I begin it. But about a year and a half ago, it was a a cold, cold winter morning. Um, And I was running super late to church. I was uh, on the worship team, the worship band, and uh, so late, so I pulled up into the parking lot, um, and as I I round the corner into this parking lot, I see a a homeless man uh, in bad shape, he's, uh, it was very, very cold, and so he's there in the parking lot, just standing there, like waiting for the church to open so he can come in, Um, but I was so late, so I I pulled into a parking spot, and I got all the way in um, through those doors before I registered, here I am, pastor, religious person, so hurried and busy doing the stuff for God that I missed the point of all of it, you know? And so I I went back out and I spoke to him and and he, he, he was, there were tears running down his face, not because I was being kind or talking to him, because it was so cold, and so I brought him in and sat him down in the atrium, got him something to, to drink that was warm and, you know, just tried to help him a little bit. And I felt so convicted because I didn't stop the first time, you know? I want to be a person who, if I'm rushing to do something for Jesus, that is no question whether or not I would be distracted when somebody, the least of these, shows up in the parking lot on the way. Um, Jesus talked about this. He said, you know, the people that please God, the people that make it in to the good graces of God, they're not necessarily the religious ones. They're the ones who, Jesus said, they're the ones who saw me hungry and gave me something to eat. They're the ones who saw me naked and clothed me. They're the ones who saw me thirsty and gave me something to drink. And the disciples turn to him, and they say, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or naked? And and he replies to them, he says whatever you've done for the least of these, you've done for me. And looking back on that story, it stuck with me. That's why I've told it four, five, six times over the last few months. Um, It stuck with me because I realize that in a rush to do the Jesus stuff, I passed right by Jesus himself in the parking lot. And how oftentimes, in a pursuit of a goal, of, of trying to get to a destination, do we miss the presence of Jesus along the way, and so I wanna invite you in to maybe a slowed down version of your faith. I wanna invite you into a a spirituality that's less obsessed with outcomes and more aware of the moments spent with Jesus. That our spirituality, like I, I read at the beginning, would not be so focused on being Christian as it would be focused on being formed by Christ, into his image. I never wanna to be too important or too busy to notice Jesus. So Jesus today, uh, we look for you. Uh, we know that there's, there's uh, a lot of maybe turmoil in hearts and, and emotions in these weeks and months and Jesus, we, uh, we are grateful that you lay out the truth that that can come to. We don't have to check those things at the door. Um, that you, in your grace and your mercy today, you have room to take on our insecurities, our worries, our anxieties. And so Jesus, as we bring all of ourselves to you in these moments and over these next few weeks as we... Um, take on some of these spiritual practices. God, we just ask, would you transform us and form us and reform us into your image? Would you quiet our hearts in busy moments and noisy moments to recognize that that disruption might just be a visitation, that we would behold you and abide in you and be changed by you? Right now, wherever you're at in person, watching it on TV or online. I would just encourage you right now, just allow the Holy Spirit, the presence of Jesus, in this quiet moment to come and let his grace just settle in in, this, in the quiet spaces of your heart and mind. Whatever busyness awaits for you out there, right now we have this moment to just let him commune with us and be with us and form us into his image. And finally, Holy Spirit, we just invite your work on this Pentecost Sunday, as you did before, to blow like a rushing wind, rest in us like flames of fire, to heal divisions and wounds, and to build us into a community centered on the hope of Jesus. How we love you. How we're we're so just grateful that you're alive and well in your church today, and we say all this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Uh, Well, before uh, you tune out, before you leave, uh, we do wanna mention westsidechurchorg slash devos. That's where all these spiritual practices are gonna roll out over the next four weeks. Uh, You can also sign up to have those delivered directly into your email inbox.